Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and with me are both of my co-hosts. Hi, I'm Hwai Chen Bu, a writer for Slash Film, a pop culture journalist in New York. And I am Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in L.A. All right, guys, we've talked about the movies we are looking forward to to uh, end out the year of 2019. But now we are turning our attention to the smaller screen and talking about fall TV and the TV shows, both new and returning, that we are excited to check out this fall. Um, TV has been in a sort of the peak TV for a few years now. And so there is still much to consume. It seems never ending. Um, And so we're just going to list five each that we are excited to watch this fall. So who wants to go first? Uh, Willoughby, why don't you go first since you uh, uh, suggested this topic? Yes, I suggested it because we've done it every year. We got to do it. (laughs) It's September. Um, TV shows have already started airing. Uh, True. uh, But I got five here that have not aired yet. So they count towards fall TV. Um, the first one is The Mandalorian, which is Disney Plus's like I, I guess like flagship show that they're like launching the service with. Um, it is a bout bounty hunter who is Mandalorian, who is not Boba Fett yeah. because fuck that guy. Well, um, can you give a brief? primer for those who may not know like what mandalorian means yes so they're a alien species who are humanoid in the star wars universe they are traditionally warriors and have a very like aggressive attitude towards other peoples uh they in the clone wars uh they have a duchess who wants to like leave them out of the clone wars and like they're now like pacifists even though there's like rogue enemy rogue mandalorians who are like now we still want to be wars warriors and whatnot um they are sort of they've never really been besides the clone wars the only other bounty hunter or the only other uh, mandalorian on screen has been boba fett and jango fett um and so they don't have too, too much of a reputation or such like a like a lot of their culture and their background is explored in video games such as okay. Knights of the Old Republic um so and Clone Wars and also Star Wars Rebels they go back to Mandalore as well Mandalore is the planet um so the Mandalorian the show so do you imagine the show this is um Pedro Pascal playing the Mandalorian correct yes so do you mm-hmm. imagine the show will be fine for like star wars fans who maybe haven't read books about mandalorians or haven't played the video games yes it seems to me like they're going to dive into pedro pascal's backstory probably at a later date in the show like it seems though it's going to be very like star wars as you know it up front Mm -hmm. and then they probably will dive into his backstory as well as like more mandalorian like i think i think if you're only familiar with the film's and maybe some books. I think you you'll have an okay time getting into it. I think I, th- I think they're also banking on the idea that people are familiar with Boba Fett. Um, As someone so, who's not a fan of Boba Fett, both you and me, Willoughby, what makes yeah. you excited for a show about a Mandalorian? Given that most of our uh, knowledge, the biggest one is Boba Fett, who we don't like very much. What makes right. you excited for something that's about Mandalorians and it's not related to the Skywalker saga or anything. The excites me the most is that I think they're leaning heavily on like the Western themes. A lot of the show looks like it takes place on Tatooine, which is um, there's a lot of Western iconography that that's used in, in in, like the shots that we've seen. Um, The fact that knowing that Boba Fett is a clone of Jango Fett, who is like a rogue bounty hunter at the time of the Clone Wars, who was used as the template for all the clone soldiers. So, like, we're familiar with who the Fets are in terms of Mandalorians. So I'm excited to explore other Mandalorians and other, like, other, another, a, a Mandalorian who is not Boba Fett or Jango Fett. 
Um, I want to like, cause like Boba Fett, I, I don't, he just seems like, I don't know. He's not, he doesn't seem that all that interesting. And I think that there's something which is sort of ironic considering that his sort of the mystery about Boba Fett was what enticed a lot of people, I think as a fan favorite, but then we like learned his backstory and then it was like, oops, no, Super not really. Um, um, I mean, it, yeah, yes and no. It's, it's kind of, I think the fact that we met him as a kid is not, was not great. I think if we met him as like a young bounty hunter, as an up, like, and like all that, that would have been more fascinating. So I think that Pedro Pascal coming in, he's, he's, well, first of all, he's very charming as like an actor and as, as in his, all his characters. So I think that he'll bring some interesting charm to a, this role, even though I think he's supposed to be like the strong silent type. Um, but I think that, you know, we haven't seen any promotional shots of him without the mask or without the helmet. It's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Although I also interesting think that, to note that the two most famous Mandalorians we know, Boba Fett and now Pedro Pascal's, are both played by people of color. True. Yeah. Um, Mandalor- Man- but also Man- that Mandalorians they are-, are usually uh, portrayed by people of color, even though there are white Mandalorians like uh, Dutch Satine. Um uh, from the Clone Wars. So, like, they've got, like, a mix of peoples. Yeah, but also, like, it's interesting that they are played by people of color most of the time, and the two biggest ones we know are, but that they also wear helmets for almost their entire, like, screen time. Mm-hmm. It's it's an yeah. interesting optic. It is. I would say. That's true. That is true. Um, yeah, I mean, I will say that in the Clone Wars, they take their masks, like, they most of the time they're speaking without their masks on. So I think with uh, the show, they'll probably have a lot of time without the helmet. Um, but at least for the promotion of it to be like, here's a bounty hunter. Here's what you who, who what you think of as a bounty hunter. They're marketing that, which, yeah, it's that's interesting. Um Okay, sorry uh, that's hard to drag this out. Go ahead, keep going with your list. I just, like, love to pick your yeah, brain about Star Wars. No, no, it's, that's fine. I mean, yeah, we've talked about The Mandalorian before in a Disney Plus <laughs> episode. Um, uh, my, my next uh, television show on my list is The Good Place Season 4. Uh, it is the only returning show that I have on my list, uh, which is kind of ironic considering in years past I've usually been focusing on shows that have been coming back and this year i'm more excited about new shows which i think true um because like i haven't really been following up on all the cw shows so like a lot of the flash yeah. and supergirl and yeah a season a lot of them. Almost. the and, only like, one i'm caught up with is legends yeah i'm not i'm not even caught up on legends i'm full, i'm a full season behind on like all the regular CW shows that I watch, except for River, Riverdale, which I'm catching up on um, in like binge the sessions. Epic with, highs uh, and lows brother. of Riverdale. Uh, Riverdale. Epic highs and lows of high school football. Um, okay, so The Good Place, season four. It is the final season of the show. They are ending it on their own terms, which is an incredibly bittersweet thing. Um, the Good Place has been so good, um, for lack of a better word, for. All, all of its running time that I think that the show will definitely end powerfully. And, you know, the fact that they're ending it on their own terms and Mike sure has always tried to end his shows, I think on the right terms. And at least with parks and rec, it, you know, that, that, that show itself, which w- was not a very heavy themed show really like gut punched me when it ended. So I think that the good place is just going to murder us. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't want to get into it without spoiling because there are people who probably haven't seen season three yet because maybe they would only watch it on Netflix. So I don't want to get too far into, uh, but like all the characters are great. Um, the writing is always so funny. It's just, a, it's a, it's like a perfect television show. It's what I want out of like modern comedy, which is like, there's a message behind it, but it's also like not punching down. It's like very good. Um, so yeah, the good place. Uh, the next show is Daybreak, which is a Netflix show coming out in a couple weeks, months. Uh, I actually haven't heard of this. Can you tell us what it's about, Willoughby? Yes. Uh, so it is a show about a uh, in which like it's like a post-apocalypse where all the adults are turned into like brain dead zombie type mon- monsters who are like I am bludgeoned, and all the Including kids. Including Matthew Broderick. I just Matthew need Broderick. It. 
to point that out, that Matthew Broderick is going to be one of the adults. Yeah, and he plays, like, the principal of the high school, I think, from what I've read. Oh, that's very fitting. But it's centered around teenagers, like, high school age teenagers who are now, like, in charge of the world, so, or at least in charge of, like, Glendale, California, so they've, like, banded together in rival gangs, like, their gangs are, like, it's very Mad Max, very, like, uh, society crumbling sort uh, of deal. Like Lord of the Flies where, kind of like, stuff. Lord of the Flies, but more organized, where, like, there's, like, factions, and they have, like, outfits that are very, like, this is what, ha- this is exactly what would happen if teenagers were now in, like, post-apocalyptic gangs, um, and so uh, the aesthetic just, is very Mad Max, like okay. the looks yeah. of it, like visually, it is very Mad Max. And did you mention that it takes place in Glendale? I think you did. Did you? Glendale, California, which is like oh. that's like a neighboring town of mine. I go there often. I'm just like <laughs> Glendale. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah, it's like suburban it's California. Like how, it's like it's how Chuck like... takes place in Burbank. It's <laughs> like so mundane. Yeah, exactly. Reason, probably. Um, and it's some people much. might know it also um, because uh, culture writer and Keep It host Ira Madsen III is a writer on Daybreak, which is how yeah, I first a, found out about the show. I've, same yeah. here because I followed on Twitter and he was talking about how he like left his job at the Daily Beast to go write for that show. And so I've been sort of like I knew it was happening for a while. And I think uh, just this week, Entertainment Weekly had like exclusive photos and like a reveal of like what the show is about. And I think it's coming out. I don't, I wish I had um, the date it's released out, but I, it's fall TV. So it's coming out soon. Um, and I just, I, I like the idea of like, you know, but it's like post-apocalypse, but it's also like about teenagers and they're like running around. So it's like, it's very interesting. Um, the fourth episode, the fourth TV show on my list, which is probably on both of your lists as well is HBO's His Dark Materials, um, starring uh, Daphne Keene yes. and Lin-Manuel Miranda and James, uh, What I believe his name is McElvoy? McAvoy? 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 It can't be McAvoy. Good old, good old James McAvoy. Um, good old James Mac. Good old Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Mac. <laughs> Jimmy Mac, good old Jimmy Mac. Why do uh, always, Why is it always my crushes that get the nicknames? Oh, who are you talking? Who else are you talking about? Dan Stevens. Who is that? I don't know who that is. I only know. I only know Dan Stevens. Um. So yeah, no the the Golden Compass was a film that came out ten years ago, which was not great. Uh, wow. Which, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, it was like 13 years ago now, actually. I think 2006. It was like right around Narnia. 2007. So, okay, not as not as long as I thought, but still 12-year-olds are as old as that film. And so I never read the books until last fall, which is what um, I think we, I've, we've talked about that on the show before. I And so, like, I'm really excited about this show. My girlfriend read the first book. So, like, we're going to watch the show together. Um and I think that it's just so gorgeous uh, of a book that I can't wait for it to be like translated into a TV show with an HBO BBC production budget. Um, and also the cast looks really cool. Um, what else is there to say? Do you guys want to talk about it or do you want to wait for when we go down your lists? I'll wait for my list. I'll wait for my list. Okay. I, yeah, I'm just, I just really, really like the idea of like a personified soul creature who is like externalized. Little and demons. Like, Little, little demons, your little partners in crime. Um, so that's that's HBO. That's one that uh, uh, you guys are excited for. And here's one that you may not be excited for. Particularly Anya's probably not excited about it. It is HBO's Watchmen series. There's Damon Lindelof's adaptation of Watchmen in which it is not an adaptation per se. It is a sequel type series that deal that takes place it's the world of Watchmen but it takes place in 2019 instead of the early 80s which is when the comic book is set and so it's basically like what if you know what if the series or like what if Watchmen continued like what happens now like 
lot of things happened in Watchmen that kind of changed the world in that universe. So it's really interesting to see where they would go with that. Um, uh, I haven't actually read the comic book version of Watchmen. I've only seen the Zack Snyder film. Yeah. Um, I, I bought the comic book a couple of years ago that I've just been, it's always it's just been on my desk waiting to waiting to be read. So I'll probably read it before the show because I believe that the sh- the show the show itself is not a sequel to the movie but it's a sequel to the comic book so like things that happened in the comic book that didn't happen in the movie will be referenced in the show which i mean which lot. means i'm hoping they reference the giant squid that's what i hope i hope that that's what happens and i think that so it stars regina king as like i believe she's like a vigilante type um and it also has Gene Smart, who plays Silk Spectre, who's now like in charge of like cops. And Jeremy Irons plays Ozymandias, who is um, like one of the he's like the bad guy in the first Watchmen like series or you know the comic book and the movie. Uh, he's he's in it. It's not. Eh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, well, because Ozzy was part of the Watchmen. Like the whole the whole point of the of him being really the villain is that like he was one of the good guys. Right, he's a good guy turned bad guy. Um, and so, like, Watchmen's all about, like, what if superheroes had darkness in them? And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's always... Like, that's why I, I didn't want to watch Amazon's The Boys, which I feel like has a lot of that. Um, but what's... A, the Boys is good, though. Uh, bring, uh, hmm? The, the boys, boys is good. good. I've watched the first two episodes, and I'm okay with it. I gotta keep going. Wait, who um, does The Boys they, again? I feel like... It's like a Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg... There was like a there was a reason that I didn't want to watch it. I've heard like really good things about it, but then I was like, "There's someone involved in it that I was like, no." Well, you're not like Dan Trachtenberg directs the first episode, and he does a good job with that. Um, who... no, it, there was there was someone that I was like, "I'm annoyed that they're in this, and I or they're part of it," and I was like, "I don't want to support them." Is it because Garth Ennis and Derek? Uh, Robertson created the comic book. Oh, I think it's probably because of Eric Kripke's part oh, of it. Oh, yeah, Kre- Eric Kripke uh, developed it. Yeah, it's like him. Is he? Really. Is he the supernatural guy? Yeah, yeah, he's not. Oh, okay. He's um. Also, like, isn't yeah. the boys just like so many men? It's hyper violent. Um, he is. There's a lot yeah. of men, but there's there's a fair amount of female characters too, especially the one played played by Erin Moriarty, which is her real name, and she's quite good. Good in name. It's mm-hmm. a good name. Um, Willoughby, I respect your excitement to watch Watchmen. The only thing that will probably get me to watch it is Regina King, because she is mm-hmm. a queen. What about Lindelof? She's very. Anya doesn't like Lindelof. You know that I like hate Damon Lindelof. Oh wait, that's why I thought. That's why I knew that Anya wasn't excited about this because she. And has a I'm like, we had this conversation. Oh, maybe we. Yes, have. and I like especially dislike him with this because when he was developing Watchmen, he was acting like a complete like white nerd gay like gatekeeper right. and was like, if you're not like you're not a fan, you don't understand it. Like you don't deserve it. And I was like, shut up. Like whatever, dude. Also, right, right, I right. own. I own Watchmen the comic, and I really like the comic. I actually think it's one of Zack Snyder's better films. Um, but I'm like, do we really need a sh- show about like nihilism and cynicism right now? I'm so tired. I'm tired. Yeah, I feel like Lindelof might not go it's completely so- into that nihilism though, just because of his past works being a little bit more hopeful. But we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely excited. I think it's a it's a, it's it's definitely a brash and bold endeavor that could could fail like real real hard um but but, you know i have hope i like the leftovers a lot as we discussed in the previous episode and lost is one of my favorite shows of all time and he was a showrunner on that and hbo has given him like sort of like a blank check to do what he wants because of the leftovers critical success so it's something to watch something to be interested about uh and yeah it's that those are my lists. Uh, good. Uh, the hope, is, hope is good, good to have. Place. Hope is a good thing. Hope is good. Um, so I hope for your sake that it is good um, and that you enjoy it. Yeah. I'm going to go next if that's cool. Go for it. All right. Um, so I'm going to start with some of the ones that Willoughby has already listed. Um, primarily The Good Place Season 4. 
Uh, I'm so sad it's ending, but I'm also so glad they're they're like going out when they want to, because I feel like this will let Mike Sure like tell the complete story that he wanted to tell from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have gushed about Mike Sure a bajillion times on this podcast, um, and we love that he always punches up and that his shows are about hope and goodness. And so I'm really excited to see how they end it, and I just hope that we, I hope that like our main cast gets you know, all the things they deserve for everything they've been through and all the progress they've made as characters. Um, And so I'm, like, excited but sad that it's the final season, but I can't wait to see uh, where Mike Schur takes us on this last leg of the journey. Um, I definitely think it's by far his most ambitious work. Um, It hasn't quite surpassed Parks and Rec for me, which is my favorite. Excuse me. (laughs) Whoops. Um... (laughs) I'm just getting emotional over here. Getting emotional. She loves the Shurniverse. I love Shurniverse. Um, We've but... done several episodes on most of his shows, so please go back and listen to those if you want us to gush about everything that he's ever done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm excited and sad. It's bittersweet, um, but I think it's going to be a really fun ride. Um, so next, I'm also going to talk about His Dark Materials because I think by far it's the one I'm most excited about. Like, it is the number one excitement for me. Um <laughs> And I will defend the Golden Compass movie a little bit in that I think the casting was really on point. Yes. And I feel like I'm I'm a little sad that we never got to see that cast explore the full trilogy, um, especially when you get into um, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman's characters who are played by James McAvoy and Ruth Wilson, Ru- uh, Ruth Wilson um, in the new series. And their characters specifically go on a really interesting arc. Um especially in terms of morality throughout the three books. And so like, I'm, I'm kind of sad we never got to see Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman like sink their teeth into those roles more. Um, I thought the movie had potential, but. Mm. I think never... it had some studio interference from what I was, yeah. was reading on Wikipedia. The ending yeah. Was and changed. it also like, and it had like a big backlash because it's like considered like the atheist Narnia. And so <laughs> there was like a huge like controversy around it because of that and like the religious undertones. Um, That's yeah. an issue um, why I didn't want to watch Anya, it. for the same reason that you will defend Golden Compass is the reason that I will go down in it harder because I feel like it wasted such a good cast and I can't forgive it for that. Oh my god, yeah, no, it like it did not explore the universe that Philip Pullman created mm-hmm. nearly to the extent that it should have. And yeah. like... The ending is a mess. Like, I hate how they ended the movie because um, they kind of destroyed how the first book ends. Yeah. Um, so I completely agree. I just, like, wish that cast had gotten I know. a better like, opportunity. That cast they were really... is amazing. And I'm still a little bit sad about the fact that they were wasted so much in that movie. Agreed. And that they were Agreed. so perfectly cast in their roles. Yes. Like, Daniel Craig, completely. my God. Oh, my God. He would have been... I would have loved to have seen him by, by the final book, like... I I mean I personally I'm completely blanking on his name right now. Asriel. Asriel. Like I love him. He's one of my favorite characters in the entire like this whole universe. But I find him very compelling. He um, is really compelling. He's so compelling. I mean, and he's in the Book of Dust, which is the prequel book that Philip Pullman put out recently. There's a new um, one coming out in October. I know. I'm so excited. Um, oh, wow. But he's one of my favorite characters, and now he's played by like one of my all-time favorite actors. So I'm very excited. Anyway. As you can tell, and as we've talked about before, um, HG and I especially are very big fans of this series. I have read the original trilogy multiple times, um, and so I'm just excited to see it kind of get the justice it deserves um, and to get fully explored, and it also has a great cast, and I just cannot wait to see this universe fully realized as, you know, I think we've been waiting for for some time, um, and I am so excited. So, let's talk materials. Oh, it's the only thing I care about. Um, fun fact, I was going to put my list to just be like succession, 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 succession. <laughs> but I decided not to, even though it is my favorite thing in the world right now. Um, it's not a fall TV show. It's a summer know, show. It is, but it's going into the fall. <laughs> so whatever. Oh, new, epi- new episode tonight. It's the best show on TV right now. How's Fight your me. baby going? How's he doing? Oh, he's like in so much How's pain. your large adult son? <laughs> My large adult son is in so much pain and like no one no one except his father knows and he 
she's just struggling so much. Anya, the feelings that you're having over Kendall in um in Succession is what I'm feeling right now for Kyo Soma and Fruits Basket because I can't get over him. Oh, Kyo. Kyo, my that, baby. Tiny angry child. Just to, just to interrupt this discussion very briefly for my Fruits Basket love, Hulu has uh now po- has started releasing or right, the first 13 episodes of the Fruits Basket 2019 reboot is now available on Hulu, but only in dub version. But the dub is still pretty great because it's the original voice cast from the 2001 version. And I is love it that. because they're, of their deal with Funimation? Is that is that part of their deal with Funimation? Yeah, I think so. A lot of Funimation shows end up on Hulu. Oh my god. So first Thank 13 you. episodes available now to stream I'm on so Hulu. I'm so excited. Oh, I have to go watch it immediately. Watch it now. Watch it now. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. But first, I'm gonna finish. I guess it's over. <laughs> I guess it's over, guys. We're done. I don't care about the rest of my list. HG's list, whatever. Great review. Um, subscribe to us. <laughs> um, okay, no. So, uh, my third TV show um, actually premiered on Friday, but I have not watched it yet, and it still feels very new, so I'm gonna include it. Um, and that is the uh, Netflix miniseries Unbelievable, mm, starring. Yeah, starring Tony Collette, Merritt Weaver, and Caitlin Dever um, of Booksmart fame. And it is based on uh, the true stories of the serial rape cases in Washington and Colorado from 2008 to 2011. Um, and the series follows um, a teenager named Marie, played by Caitlin Dever, um, who was charged with lying about having been raped. But then two detectives get on the case, uh, Tony Collette and Merritt Weaver, and they start investigating it further. Um, to kind of arrive at the truth about this serial rapist and Marie's uh, truth and what happened to her. Um, and so it is a show that I assume will be very heavy and uh, pretty hard to get through at times, but also is incredibly relevant and a story that deserves to be told. And the cast is amazing. Um, and it's, you know, created by a woman, which makes me very happy um and also by um michael chabon who's one of my personal favorite novelists um he's also a creator on the show which makes me really happy um and so i'm really excited to start watching it i've heard really good things about it and you know i just think as hard as these stories are they uh, are worth being told and worth watching so that's unbelievable on netflix all right so my last two there are so many TV shows, um, but I am actually going to um, put one out that I am not sure if it's actually going to be very good, but Michael Sheen's in it, so <laughs> I'm going to watch it. Willoughby, why are you reacting this way? He just like, walked away from the podcast. <laughs> Oh, well, you're you're setting it up so it's gonna. That it sounds like Michael Sheen's in it, but the rest of it is trash. No, the concept sounds really cool, but it's like a network show, and so like I don't know if it's actually gonna be very like. I feel like network shows these days are a huge gamble. That's true. Um, so the TV show I'm talking about is called Prodigal Son. It's gonna be on Fox, um, and it is about a prodigal son uh, who is a like. Uh, murder case detective and the whole reason he got into this career is because his father played by michael sheen is a convicted serial killer excuse me what (laughs) yes yes and so the son obviously hates his father um who was arrested when he was a young boy um and what kind of again inspired him to become a detective and solve cases like these and suddenly there is a copycat killer of his father and so he has to go to his father for help um and so, again, I love the concept, um, you know, and serial killers are very fascinating. And Michael Sheen is a perfect angel of a human. Um, who plays serial killer. He's even who played plays one. serial killer. Um, and the trailer is actually really fun. There's, like, some humor in it. Like, when his son goes to tell him that there's a copycat killer, he's, like, at, his first reaction is, like, oh, I'm flattered. And then is he's he, like, is he British in this or is he American? Um, I think he's American, if I remember correctly. Um, so, like, I have hopes for it. And Michael Sheen is a phenomenal actor. And so I'm excited to watch it. I just feel like network TV can get easily bungled. And Fox especially has a poor track record. Um, but I feel like if it leans... <laughs> I feel like if it leans into its darkness the way sort of like Hannibal did on NBC and it doesn't shy away from 
the moral themes going on here. I feel like it could be a fun, compelling show. So I'm going in with excitement, but also like reservations just because Fox. <laughs> this sounds like to me, it reminds me of, you know, like the hundreds of Ewan Griffith shows that he's been on, like on ABC. Uh, poor baby. <laughs> he deserves so much better. Uh, it's like he keeps like critic critically lauded British actor joins American network television in some sort of procedural sounds like the plot of so many Ewan Griffith shows. Oh my God. So many. And that's when I'm all, that's why I'm also like, yeah, we'll see how long this lasts. And if it's able to keep up its premise. Um, Cause again, I also feel like network shows often have good premises and then they just completely bungle them and they just like yeah. crash and burn. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm kind of afraid of that happening here, but I'm going to give it a shot. My Do you guys remember Carl Urban was on a Fox television show that was like his his partner on on the Force was a cyborg and they were like investigating. Oh, I remember the, this. I watched the first episode. In the future. Yeah. Yeah. Oh and that God. was a Fox show. Fox network TV is like, wild. Yeah, Fox has good, like you said, like they pick up really interesting premises and then they don't they know what do. to do with the shows and let's cancel exactly. them after a season they and the show is also fashion burn. So um, I'm yeah, so, so I'm funny. nervous, but I will check it out. And um, I mean, Michael Sheen is a serial killer. Like, I feel like there's the whole episode to be made about just like weird uh, Fox procedurals or just like t- primetime network procedurals with insane premises that just completely don't yeah. live up to those premises. Right. I mean, whatever. I love the first season of Sleepy Hollow, and then they completely ruined it. So, yeah, that was a good show <laughs> that I think should have had a better better writers yeah. it, it deserved a better journey um for sure uh so yeah the prodigal son so we will see if it will join the list of bungled fox procedurals or if it can rise above and become something special in its own right speaking of tom meissen who i believe is yeah mm-hmm. like, he played the actor. yeah that's, he's in Watchmen, the hbo show Oh. Yeah, I saw the cat when I was looking up looking up the show. He, he he's listed under like char- other characters on the Wikipedia. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'm so angry. They've gotten such a good cast for this show that I don't want to watch. <laughs> um. Anyway, yep. all right. My last um TV show um that again I have some concerns about, but I'm also very excited is uh, Ryan Murphy's The Politician on Netflix. Oh boy. Is that the um, one where oh the high school boy. students all played by 30 year olds who have played 30 year olds in the past? Yes, so it's very confusing how they're playing high schoolers. But also Ben Platt and Gwyneth Paltrow. Does I'm so excited. Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow is acting again. I love Goop. <laughs> Goop is my favorite. And also she's a Wait, phenomenal. Can you clarify if you love the the style and design of Goop and not the medical uh, advice that they give? Oh, when I say I love Goop, I just mean Gwyneth Paltrow and all her crazy antics. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just very excited for the interview she'll do after this show uh, and when she'll be confused what, how she About was on the show in, in the first place. Yeah. She's like, oh, like was I ever on a show with Spider-Man? Who's that? I know. I know. <laughs> she'll um, she'll go to a red carpet and she'll be like, hi, nice to meet you. And, he, and Ben Platt will be like, we starred in a TV series for 12 we episodes. Were in a <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ryan Murphy is a very interesting figure to me in that um, I feel like, you know, he's, he can definitely be very hit or miss. But I also feel like he's one of those creators in Hollywood who the more they've like, done work and the more they've learned and grown like they've gotten so much better like glee was a mess but like now from ryan murphy we're getting things like american crime story which both seasons have been phenomenal and we got feud which was kind of a mess yeah not my favorite but had some had some good moments um and we have pose which i think is one of the best shows on air right now um and so like Ryan, I, I've kind of not even a love hate. I have like a mixed love relationship with him, um, but I think his heart's in the right place, and I do like his sense of humor a lot. And I have enjoyed um, a few seasons of American Horror Story, and I'm looking forward to the new season of American Horror Story. But I think the politician uh, seems fun and with that kind of like wicked, uh, dark sense of humor, and so I'm looking forward to that. Um, it is about a high school election basically to be like high school president um so sort of like a la election with reese witherspoon um and ben platt plays um the candidate who like 
he's like, I'm going to be president of the United States one day. Like, he is like that <laughs> student. He plays... He plays a real American university type. Oh, yeah, he oh, does. For sure. A real Georgetown like, um, type. Yeah, every every American university student I've ever met. Except for you yeah. guys, of course. Every poli-sci major, yes. he's got a real real, st- real, real stink about him like that. Exactly. Also, um, so can I just say, can I just say, when I saw the trailer and when, I, when someone said it was about a high school uh, election, I sort of, my brain broke because I was like, you're telling me this isn't about college? Because these kids, these actors are clearly 27 to 30. Like, what? I'm oh, sure I they, I hope they play into that so, for some reason. Because, I mean, like, like, that's crazy. It's like Broadway, where, like, the girl, the woman who's playing, like, Regina George in the Mean Girls Broadway production is, like, in her 30s. Like, yeah, well, but that's Rachel Broadway. McAdams that's different than TV. 30 when she played Regina George. I mean, is it? True. I mean, but also, okay, you say, like, different, but I'm also, like, if there's going to be any TV show that is going to, like, be, like, Broadway-esque, it's going to be a Ryan Murphy show starring Ben Platt, Tony Winner. Yes. Like, right. it's, it's playing it's a high school student, right? theatrical in it, in it its concept and execution anyway so like it's supposed to go through college and through adulthood anyways so i think so i think that's like the idea if it like does well enough and like it goes that far um i'm also excited for ben platt to finally start being talked about outside of dear evan hansen because fuck that musical um well i know him from pitch perfect so yeah yes and he's he's adorable but like his his fame really skyrocketed with dear evan hansen yes um and i hate that musical. we we know Um, him that's Benji, Benji from Pitch- who is freaking adorable, and he and Haley Steinfeld and Pitch Perfect Two are just so freaking cute. Um, anyway, I'm excited I don't remember what this. happened to them in Pitch Perfect Two because I kind of erased everything about that movie from my mind because it is a horrible movie. They had like, I a liked, awkward romance. I really liked Pitch Perfect Two. I thought Pitch Perfect Three was terrible. I think both I Pitch Perfect Two and Three were terrible in different ways. Fair. Um, but we all agree, Pitch Perfect One, Pitch Perfect. Yes, agreed. Um, but I'm hoping politician has like some tonal similarities to Glee, and I'm so I'm hoping that like Ryan Murphy kind of has learned from like how Glee went off the rails and can kind of keep politician from doing that. Um, and Ryan Murphy also tends to be a better director than a writer, and so I'm hoping that like if anything, the politician uh, like writing staff is really strong um, to keep the show going because it, it has the potential, I think, to be a lot of fun. Um, and just be kind of like a fun romp, if nothing else. Um, my my one complaint is that, uh, at least from the trailer, like it's very white, and so I'm not super keen on that. Um, but I'm excited, and I think Ben Platt plays. Um, I think it's his character is gay, um, and he is gay in real life. So I'm interested to see also like the sexual identity politics of like high school and high school elections come into play. So I'm looking forward to it. It could be a mess. It could be great. Well, you know what would be great is that when they're when they're starting production on year six of uh, that the merrily we go along movie, they'll probably be doing season four of the politician. So this is true. Ben Platt will have plenty of plenty of work ahead of him. <sighs> All right, HT, it is your turn. I hope that you have stronger picks than I did. Um, well, I have a lot of the picks that overlap with both of you guys, so I'll go into those first. Number one being His Dark Materials, the show that I think is probably my most anticipated show, not just of the fall, but of the year. I am so excited for this series. It holds a special place in my heart. Um, Anya kind of got into all of it. I've also reread this series dozens, if not like hundreds of times. I love it a lot. And I'm just excited to see this BBC HBO um, production actually do justice to the rich and um, really compelling world that Philip Pullman created. And uh, we'll get to see some of the more fantastical storylines along the along the the way but um first season will only go into the events of the golden compass i am really excited about this cast i do have some reservations about the fact that tom hooper is directing this series Ugh, i like had like blocked that out of my cats. mind cats. Cats. uh i think you i think talked about this cats. in a previous episode i can't remember but i think there was some comment on youtube that described him as the michael bay of prestige directors which is such a an accurate description for him. Like I believe he, that was Patrick Willems doing the doing his video to the, yeah. the cat's reaction video. Yeah, I think it was Patrick Willems, and uh, um, it was something that just like so perfectly uh, encapsulated what, everything wrong with Tom Hooper. 
<laughs> he's or doing something. Everything right. Everything right. Maybe he's uh, he kind of ha- straddles that line between genius and idiot, and maybe he he will pull it off. Who knows? He's a he's an idiot savant filmmaker. <laughs> he's an idiot savant prestige filmmaker, uh, and I just hope that you know his style is just so antithetical to how big and vast uh, his Dark Materials world is that I don't know how he'll pull it off. His, he likes a lot of dark, really intense close-ups, and I don't know if that'll do justice to it, but we'll see. I think the cast will hopefully elevate that material, or not even elevate material, elevate his directing style at least, because the material is great. We don't need anything wrong with material. Um, Jack Thorne is one of the co-writers. Uh, he co-wrote... Uh, the story or the book for The Cursed Child. Um, I think that's him, right? Yeah. With uh, J.K. Rowling. And uh, I just, I can't wait, guys. I'm just so excited. It is, by the way, it is debuting on HBO November um, 30th, I think. Uh, yeah, no, uh, no, November 3rd. November 3rd. November 4th. No, I'll be uh, at a wedding that weekend. I know oh, it's no. November 4th because that's my parents' 30th wedding anniversary. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Don't worry, they're going on a Hawaiian cruise. They won't be here. So I'm going to okay. be like, bye, have fun. I'm watching the I'm dark watching materials. materials. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yes. So that is debuting on November thir- 4th on HBO. Can't wait. Uh, my next pick is a series that actually just debuted, um, but I'm really excited to check it out. It's called Undone. It's an Amazon animated series starring uh, Rosa Salazar. And it's about a young woman uh, who nearly dies in a car accident. And her entire perception of the world is completely altered after that. She starts to see, um, uh, starts to kind of see visions of her father. And it's uncertain whether this car accident has like mentally altered her brain in a very severe way or whether she has achieved some new form of transcendence. And um, it kind of starts to, it starts to shift her perception of time and reality and that kind of stuff. It is an animated series that is uh, done in rotoscope. So it adds that real like that's cool. Hyper realistic. Ooh, like um, a scanner darkly. Yeah, it's very a scanner darkly. And it looks so surreal and so interesting. And um, it's getting critical acclaim right now. It's from, I think, the team behind Bojack Horseman, actually. Um, so it's something that is looks really ambitious and really cool. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is also in this series, too. Uh, he plays her father. They got Odenkirk? Yeah, they got Odenkirk. Uh, David Diggs is also in it. Um, so I'm just, I'm really intrigued. Jacob Hall, who was my um, editor at, at uh, Slash Film, saw the first episode at Comic-Con and was just bowled over by this this pilot and has been raving about it ever since he saw it. So I'm just really intrigued about seeing it. And uh, it seems like something that's right up my alley and I can't wait to check it out. It's on Amazon Prime streaming right now. Uh, my next choice... Oh, wait, I was going to go into the, sh- the shows that we had uh, overlap first. So I'll just go into those because all the rest of my list are shows that we that have been included on yours. That was my only original show. Um, so The Good Place, season four. Uh, I'm excited for it for all the reasons that you guys said. It's the it's such an ambitious, high concept comedy series for Mike Schur. And I think it is a show that I was uh, uncertain about how he could draw, like, kind of stretch out this premise beyond one season and he's just done uh so well with it and just kind of exceed my expectations every season just kind of um completely wiping the slate clean and starting anew with every season uh and I can't wait to see what he does with season four which I'm sure like it already starts off on a really ambitious foot I don't know if they'll even keep that for the rest of the season because with the past season they will be like oh yeah this is what's going to happen for the season and then they completely change it like two episodes in and I that's what I love about The Good Place it's the most lost comedy show I've ever seen and to be able to pull off that kind of weird uh narrative uh pushing kind of series in a comedy is just so amazing to me and I can't wait to see what they do with the final season my next one is a show that I know Anya has uh, laid her her concerns with, but I am also excited for it. And I, it is Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, 
developed by Damon Lindelof. I am a full Damon Lindelof stan. I love Lost. I'm really liking Leftovers. Uh, I can't wait to see the series because of Lindelof mostly, actually. And um, I really liked the Watchmen uh, comic by Alan Moore. I think it's just uh, a real gem of a comic book. It's a masterpiece, honestly. Uh, The way that it toggles between past and future and present uh, in a way that actually quite influenced Lost in the first place. So it kind of, it's in, it's a nice almost full circle way of Lindelof coming back to this series that definitely inspired him and influenced him a lot early on. And um, I want to see what he does with it beyond the source material because I am intrigued by a series that takes place in the same universe of Watchmen but doesn't follow the um, source material like so uh, slavishly like Zack Snyder's film does um, I think that's the big flaw of Snyder's film it's just so slavish and so like loyal to the source material that it feels a little bit suffocating um, the comic book was definitely the storyboard for that film mm-hmm. like they ripped panels like frame for frame yeah which I appreciate because it makes sense to me that Snyder would do that because he's a very visual director um, but in it felt like he could not see the forest for the trees, if that makes sense. He just goes very straight for the the visual of it all, but doesn't really, he wasn't able to capture the uh, actual meaning and themes of the, the book, the comic book itself. You're saying Zack Snyder has a problem with themes and messaging in superhero <laughs> films? I mean, it's the closest he gets to actually getting somewhere to having meaning. But he does have problems with it, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm excited for Watchmen. Uh, Regina King, Damon Lindelof. Sounds like a good good time for me. Anyways, my last one is The Mandalorian. I was not really excited for this show until they started getting into the casting. I love Pedro Pascal. I think he is a movie star waiting to happen. I'm really excited to see him lead this series, even if he, we haven't seen his face yet. Um, and isn't Werner Herzog in this? Which he I is. is I was going to get to that, but I didn't get a chance. Werner Herzog is in it and Nick Nolte. Yes. I just think it's hilarious that they got Werner Herzog in this Disney Plus series, The Mandalorian. Uh, so I just, um, I'm just going forward to that. I don't know what he's doing there, but I just want to see Werner Herzog <laughs> in a Star Wars show. And yeah, the design looks, uh, amazing. I like that they're going for a more tactile, practical effects approach. They're using a lot of miniatures in addition to using the digital effects that Jon Favreau really loves to pioneer. So I'm excited to see that, uh, confluence of digital and practical happening on The Mandalorian. And, um, Yeah. I'm I'm down for it. I'm excited and I uh, can't wait to see. I hope it's good. That's what I'm hoping because it's uh it's getting a lot of hype right now, but we have no idea whether it'll be good or not. But all signs yeah. point to at the least good, pretty good. The good thing is is that it doesn't seem as though we've heard a lot of stories about like oh Disney took the Mandalorian away from John Favreau and now it's uh, you know it, it seems like they were pretty good. At, about like this is his show this is like he's got a bunch of directors lined up like Taika Waititi who also voices a robot so like I think that Disney's like pretty like they seem pretty good about the Mandalorian being like good yeah hot take Lord Miller deserved to lose Solo really yep I will defend that to like my dying days that Ron Howard was a better pick and that if you don't play by Kathleen Kennedy's rules, then bye. Spicy. <laughs> Listen, I am not about to not trust Kathleen Kennedy's. Decision. I mean, I trust no, Kathleen Kennedy, agreed. but I just think it's funny because Solo itself was such a mediocre movie. <laughs> I like it, was, it was, more than other people. I, I also, I like it more than other people as well, and I think that Lord and Miller would have made it a joke. That's true. I also like what they did with other things that they've done in the past. Um, I mean, yeah. agreed. Like a movie's fun. But if Kathleen Kennedy says you're out because of various things, then I'm like team Kathleen Kennedy. Yep. Oh, hot take. Sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I just that's, that's our... 
<laughs> Those are our most anticipated fall TV shows. White men losing projects and I'm okay with that? Shocker. I'm actually okay with that too, but it's also because, I mean, I don't really care about Solo, so I don't really care. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's anyway. Move, anyways, let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Well, Anya, since you have so many spicy takes today, would you like to start us off with your really like of the week? Sure. My really like is not that spicy, so <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, well, but more I, like medium salsa. <laughs> medium, a, a medium guacamole. It's um, like a plate-ish <laughs> at Nando's. <laughs> Nando's can get yes. pretty spicy, though. Oh, Nando's. Anyway, I'm just having London flashbacks now. All right, so um, speaking of London... I really enjoyed a book set in London. Oh. Um, and that is Mackenzie Lee's new book, Loki, Where Mischief Lies. And so it's is this uh, about is this about Loki? It is about Loki, Prince of Asgard. It is a Disney, is it is a book published under Disney Publishing. Um, and so it is like a canonical book. Um, and Mackenzie Lee, who is a queer author who has written a couple other um, books that I've really enjoyed, including A Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue and A Lady's Guide to uh, Piracy and Petticoats, I think it was, it was called. Anyway, like historical fun queer romps. Um, so she wrote this book, Loki, um, for Disney. And it is about a younger Loki. Um, Thor has not been named king yet. He and Thor um, are still living on Asgard as brothers. Um, they're probably like, you know, like mid young 20s or so, I would say. Um, and needless to say, a lot of shenanigans happen, and Loki is sent to Midgard, Earth, to um, investigate a series of killings that seem to have some sort of Asgardian Nine Realms magic involved with the deaths. Um, and the book is very much just about kind of Loki coming into his own and figuring out who he is and whether or not he can be king of Asgard or whether or not he is, you know, doomed to only become the god of chaos. And um, it's very much about him and his identity and struggling with that. Um, he is also canonically pansexual in this book, which he is in the comics. Um, and there are some queer relationships in the book, which is very exciting. And I just found it to be a very compelling, fun read. Um, and I would say that if you're a Marvel fan or specifically a fan of like the Thor sort of realm, um, that you will enjoy this book because it's just kind of a fun romp. And I really like the way she writes Thor as well. And that Thor is just a well-meaning puppy, but Loki is constantly annoyed with him. Um, it's, it's very cute. It's like a little puppy um, yapping at his heels. It, it really is. It's very lovely. And like Thor means so well. Um, so yeah, so I would say if you're a fan of Marvel, um, and especially of like Thor and Loki and Asgard, that this book is a fun book to check out. And it's really exciting to see like canonically queer Loki, um, and see his various, various relationships with other people, um, and him kind of coming in to his own and figuring out whether or not like someone is doomed to become a villain from the start, or if you can kind of change the path that you're on. So I really recommend it. It's fun. Anya, I have two questions for you. Yes. My first one, it's a novel. It is a novel. Yes, it's like a young so adult there's novel. No, there's no, there's no, there's no pictures. It's not a picture book. It's a. It is. It's not it a is comic un book. Unfortunately for Gaston, there are no photos in this book. Um, How can you read it? There's no it, pictures. Is it Marvel Asgard or, or like, like as we know it, mythology Asgard? Um, like it's more. It, it, I mean, this is a Marvel licensed book. This is a book so for it's Marvel. Like, um, but so it's, it's not necessarily like MCU compliant. It's I would take it more with like the comics. So it's it's definitely like it's a it's Marvel Loki doing things in the Marvel world. Yes. So it's not like Neil Gaiman's version of Norse mythology where no, it's like no, no, no. traditional from the Eddas. Like no, no. This is a this is a Marvel licensed book. Um, to be taken primarily more in the comics universe and the MCU. But um, yeah, so Marvel. Marvel Norse mythology. That's interesting because I, I wasn't sure because I know that they've done like a Black Widow novel mm -hmm. that was like 
it was so like I, I know that Marvel's done this, but I, I just wanted clarification. This yeah, was yeah, like it's, it's a Marvel. I, I was yeah, I wasn't sure if you were comparing it to, like, if you like the Marvel Loki, you'll like this version, but it's oh, like... Oh, no, 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 this is Marvel Loki. This is Marvel Loki. Okay, that's fascinating. Yeah. Um, Ooh, it's a fun romp. So that is, um, again, Loki, Where Mischief Lies by Mackenzie Lee, and it is out now. Mm. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, Willoughby, why don't you give us your really like this week? So I've been catching up on 2019 films. Uh, so I have, I've I watched two this weekend, uh, but the one that I liked more uh, was Rocket Man. I will also watch The Kid Who Would Be King, even though I really like that film. I do think it could have been a half hour shorter. Um, uh, but and it was charming and whatnot. But the one I, I want to talk about is Rocket Man. Uh, I missed it in theaters. But I got a chance it, to watch it on uh, home video because it's available to rent now on Amazon. And I really liked it. I thought it was really... I liked the way that they tell the story. It really reminded me of, like... I've never seen this, but I think it would be applicable where it's, like, a story on stage of Elton John's life. Where it's, like, him... Like, the the setup of how they do the story and, like, the flashbacks and how they tell the flashbacks and... The, the way that they interweave the, the songs of his career into the story. I think that this could really, it could have really worked as a, as like a stage musical that I feel like this is like in another world, this is like a, a film adaptation of a stage musical. Um, just the way that they do, how they incorporate his songs and how they incorporate his story. Uh, but I think Taron Edgerton does a really fantastic job as Elton John, and I really hope he gets some awards buzz for it. I think he's fantastic. Um, he's a great singer who I didn't realize he could sing that well. That's pretty incredible. He does like a great Elton John. I would, I mean, impression is a cliche and reductive term, but I think he does a really good interpretation of Elton John. Um, and that just the whole film is really great and how, you know, you see his the the way that his songs are so stylized and so great, and see how his real like the real life versus his what he what he pretends his life is versus what his life really is. I think was really fascinatingly well done, um, and I'm glad that they didn't shy away from the fact that he's gay, like they kind of do with Bohemian Rhapsody. Like it's there's like there's a there's a sex scene there's like kissing like they go all in on that and i really appreciated that um and i think uh richard madden does a really good job of being like the the bad boyfriend the bad agent boyfriend um and is that jamie bell as bernie it is billy elliott himself Uh, yeah no, Jamie Bell's great. Uh, I think he he's really good. I also was like, is that Tom Holland? No. Um, uh, yeah, no, the, the whole film is really solid. And uh, check it out uh, on on demand now. Rocket Man. I'm so glad you liked it because I really love that film. And I thought Taron was phenomenal. And I'm like sad that he might not get Oscar recognition the way Rami Malek did, even though uh, he objectively he and his movie are superior to Bohemian Rhapsody in every way. Mm-hmm. Um, and his performance with Elton John is, I think, just beautiful. So I, I hope that he remains in, like, awards conversations. Um, but I'm glad you liked it, because I thought that movie was just really lovely. I agree. Um, all right. My I really liked for this week is something I might have hinted at earlier in this episode and just couldn't stop myself from talking about. It's Fruits Basket, guys. Who knew? It is nearing the season one finale. Next week is the final episode of season one, uh, which will be a multi-season, hopefully, adaptation of the manga as opposed to the original 2001 anime, which only adapted about, like, the first seven volumes of the, uh, the manga series. It finished before the manga had been completed. But now the manga is complete, the 2019 version is doing a full adaptation. I just love it so much, guys. Oh my god. I've been obsessed. Like, literally, my weeks have been counting down to Fridays when I can watch the new episodes of Fruits Basket. 
I have been rereading the that manga. Is, that is literally me with succession. Like, every <laughs> week I'm like, is it Sunday night yet? Um, but seriously, like, I've been meaning to watch New Fruits Baskets now that you're, like, telling me it's on Hulu. I'm just like, everything has changed. Yes. So I did have, you know, some reservations with this 2019 reboot. I think the animation style did put me off a little bit while it's much more, like, aesthetically beautiful uh I recognize I realized why it kind of put me off at first while the scenery and the backgrounds are done in like a real photorealistic way that it's just like is so gorgeous to look at I realized that the character animation is like a dating sim and I'm like oh that's why I was a little bit put off by it because they look so pretty but they feel like they're part of a dating simulator and um at first I was like it threw me off but as I went into it, I think it was specifically episode four of the 2019 reboot that kind of turned me on to it and was like, okay, now they do get the characters. They do get, like, they do understand uh, perfectly these characters. Um, so I, I, I've been obsessed with it ever since, and uh, I just really love it. This past week was the penultimate episode. Uh, it is the Akio-centric episode. Um they did indeed save the most, you know, the dramatic turn for the finale, basically. Um, for those who have seen the, the original series or have read the manga, it is the true form arc, the revelation of that. And they do it so well in this episode. I have watched it multiple times. Um, again, I have some criticisms. I think there are a few choices that are a little out of character that are done kind of just for the drama. And it it bothered me a little bit, and there are some um, animation choices that were a little felt a little bit lazy and shoddy. Um, I think it comes from this the fact that this either the animation house or the animation style is something that's more suited towards you know the the expressiveness of the characters' faces and more of that kind of shoujo style rather than like the more action um, heavy sequences. So I think that's where it fails a little bit. But oh my god, the emotions in this episode, the the beautiful. I'm realizing more and more as I watch this series and as I reread the manga for the like nth time that Natsuki Takaya, the the mangaka, the author of the series, really has a handle on issues of you know abuse, mental illness, depression, ostracization in a way that's almost unusual for a Japanese author. I feel like she has at least you know had some therapy sessions or has some like experience in counseling because the way that she approaches these issues is from such a sympathetic and such a um, nuanced light that I feel that Fruits Basket is able to pull off these um, these messages without sounding too uh, preachy or pedantic and I I really love that and I just love the characters so much they're so rich and the character at the center of this episode, Kyo is indeed my middle school boyfriend, my son, the love of my life. And I realized as I was, I was cleaning up my desktop as you we were like recording this episode, and I had recently screenshotted a lot of <laughs> pictures of Kyo from the past couple episodes. I have about like seven screenshots of Kyo on my desktop right now. And I'm like, wow, yeah, yeah, it's really, I'm 12 again. It's 20, it's 27. I, I have something to say. I was going to keep this a secret, but I actually bought you like a little Kyo <gasps> keychain in Japan. Oh my God, I love it. Oh. <laughs> I haven't mailed it yet because I just haven't had like the time and whatnot and everything. But like, and I was going to just be like, surprise and have you open it in the mail. But now that you're talking about it, I'm just like, I just want you to know that you have a little Kyo keychain from Japan coming oh, to you. Thank you. I love you, Anya. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm so happy. Oh. <laughs> it was my girlfriend was the, we were like in an anime store and my girlfriend was like I found like a fruit basket section and Philippa was like doesn't HT really love Kyo and I was like yes she does <laughs> I do I'm like one step away from making him my Twitter header but then I would it would be a little bit too weeaboo it would be uh, too like, weeb <laughs> maybe a little bit yeah you know what it's 2019 embrace your weeb lifestyle I mean I already have Kingdom Hearts as my header so whatever <laughs> yeah that's, that's my really like for this week and um my recommendation to those even if you don't like shoujo which is um the genre for like that is more t- 
targeted towards you know young women and stuff and it often has to do with like romance and comedy and those kind of things I highly recommend Fruits Basket which uh, for all the reasons that I listed before because it is a really fantastic series and um, it's uh, it holds a lot of values I think are still relevant today yeah agreed I um, I'm so excited to watch it now that it's on Hulu please do um all right. Well, that is our episode for the week. Um, you guys should come let us know what fall TV shows you're looking forward to or what you're really liking. If it's, you know, Rocketman, Breach Basket, or books you're reading, like Loki. Um, and you can come chat with us about all those things and more. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter, at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Where can they find you guys on the internet? You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.